Hey there, I'm glad you're joining me today. Together, to be with or in proximity to another person or people. March of 2020 will go down as one of the most odd months of any of our lives. What we initially heard about a novel virus turned into a national shutdown. 68 days ago, the governor of Indiana shut down Indiana with a hunker down Hoosier stay at home order. So we all stayed at home. Well, kind of. But what we all surely did was become very distant from each other, from together. Yet it didn't take long for us, humankind, to realize that we need together, that we need one another, that we weren't meant to do this life alone. I've shared this before, but I think it's worth sharing again. In the book of Genesis, in chapter 1, God created God spoke life into the earth, and it came to be. He separated the light from the dark, water from the sky. He created thousands of creatures of the sea, the birds of the air, the plants on the land, and then the animals that roam that land. Then as Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 tells us, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Why don't you just take a deep breath? God gave us that breath, just as he gave man, Adam, the very first breath of life in the garden. Can you imagine what it must have been like to live in the garden in all of its perfection, to experience the beauty and splendor of all God's creation, and to be in perfect harmony with the God, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit? That is what Adam had the perfect life, but still something was missing. Adam was enjoying a sin-free relationship with God without fear or insecurity, but God looked upon what was a perfect scene and said it was not good. Before sin ever entered the equation, something was not right. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 records for us, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Adam was lonely. He had no equal, no partner, no one to share in the splendor and majesty of the creation. The animals and the creation were set under him for him to rule over. And God was the master and leader with authority and power that far transcended him. Genesis chapter 2 verse 22 says this, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones. In flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. God desired mankind to experience together. From the beginning, the Garden of Eden to this very day, God has always wanted and always intended for people to be in community with one another. Because life is better together. That's why it comes as no surprise that quickly following our moves inside, our stay at home, that the world began trying to find new ways to be together. You know, popular video conferencing app Zoom went from 10 million active users to over 200 million active users in a three-month period. And Zoom bombing became a thing. Sorry to those who were online doing workout sessions when you had a streaker, a Zoom bomber, come running into your scene. Men and women, though, as well. Teens, everybody seemed to rally around this this one man known as the Tiger King. (laughs) 
celebrity music artists put their spin on keeping people at home with concert series that, that promoted the World Health Organization with a slogan that was, together at home. And even the Indiana governor got in on it, using the pun on words as a social distancing campaign to flatten the curve with hashtag in this together. But let's be honest. I mean, while we realized it and tried our best to find ways to be together, the last few months have been a lonely road. I mean, many have been isolated, apart, alone. It's been far from together, and even now, as we begin to reopen things, we remain distant and separate in some format or another. You know, two weeks ago, I had a faithful and loving woman who is a part of Bethany stop by the church just to drop off her offering. Now, she stayed in her car, and I made sure not to get too close to the window. And as I stood talking, talking from a distance with this woman, she began, she began to break down. And tears began to stream down her face, and she told me that she hadn't been out of the house for six weeks until the day before, and that her doctor had just told her that if she got this virus, that she was going to die. As I saw this woman breaking down in front of me, I recognized the same truth God recognized with Adam there in the garden. We are not meant to be alone. It's not good. Church, listen closely. You were made for this. God knew that this season of life would come. COVID-19 didn't catch God by surprise, nor did mankind's isolation catch God by surprise. God knew we needed companionship, friendship, to be together. That is the foundation of the church, that we are many parts that make up one body, that we are truly in this together. In the book of Ephesians, it says it like this. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Let me sum it up for you. The church is in this together. How will we reopen? together? How will we find a new normal together? How do we navigate a world in the midst of chaos together? How do we reach more with the good news of Jesus Christ together? How do we become more like Christ himself together? You see, being together is massively more powerful than we could ever imagine. That's why three weeks ago when we met for the first time in in almost two months, even if it was just to watch a, a pre-recorded service with only a fraction of the folks who normally attended services at our campuses, there was, there was something that was just, was just right about that experience. There's nothing like hearing others united in voice, live and in person, singing songs to God. There is a reason why. My wife, who by her own admission is very much an introvert, is willing to bring two toddlers and a nursing baby to these services. It's because we need each other. We need together. And when the church is united, the church is powerful. That's why Jesus prayed this prayer for his church in the book of John. It says this, my prayer is not for them alone. 
I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus prayed for us to be united, to be together, to be difference makers in this world. Now let me ask you this, and I just need you to be honest with yourself for a moment. As you look back at the past several months, how has your relationship with Christ fared? With all the extra time, have you dug into his word more? Or have you just binge watched another Netflix series? With, with the time away from the noise, the busyness of the schedule, have you spent more time in prayer and solitude with God? Or have you filled it with the latest news and endless scrolling on social media? With more time to spend with your family, did, did you use that time to grow closer to the Lord as a family and to express that love to friends and neighbors? Or did you work on all the house projects, watch past sporting events, and finally clean out the old garage. With the break from the normal routine, have you created new habits and new rhythms that you're excited to take into the days ahead? Or did you just shut down amidst the shutdown? Look, I'm not saying that all that has come out of this season is bad. Quite honestly, I believe that in some way or another, I would be questioning God's sovereignty if I believed that. But look, I have no doubt that God is weaving together his plan and purpose through this broken mess. But it feels like for most, we've just kind of hit the pause button on life. And now we really aren't sure what to do. Like we're awkwardly looking to hit play again. I think we might all have a few things we wished we would have done differently during this season. You know, self-reflection like this is hard. Now, let me get at this. Church, as I've reflected individually, it's also caused me to reflect corporately. You know, it's been two months since someone has stepped into the baptistry at either one of our campuses. The energy that once marked the movement of God's people at Bethany seems to be sputtering. And the wonder of what now is intriguing, at least. Whoa, whoa, whoa time out, man. You're, you're laying it on thick, you might be thinking. Can't believe he's saying some of the things he's saying. Believe me, I'm, I'm not saying these things flippantly. Nor again do I say it believing that God is not growing us and teaching us in this season. Look, I know that there is good taking place and that this has not all been for bad. But in my honest assessment, the one thing that this season has taught me is that the church truly is better together. You know, there was a a reason that the early church created rhythms and routines, <laughs> regular meetings together. Those rhythms kept the engine of the gospel moving. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 10, there's this passage that says this. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more, 
as you see the day approaching. You see, the gathering together is a moment to be spurred on. It's like gasoline to the fire. The gospel was never meant to sit idle. To have the pause button put on. To hunker down. Or to be socially distant. The gospel has long been on the move through God's people. The church. And the church is called to be together. So what does that look like? And what does that mean for us? Both individually and, well, together. If, if you have a Bible nearby, why, why don't you turn with me to the book of Acts? Uh, the Gospel of Luke uh, has come to a close with Jesus ascending into heaven, leaving the disciples together, waiting for this power to come. The book of Acts picks up where the Gospel ends. Actually, you may not have known this, but Luke and Acts were a two-part work, written by the same man, Luke, who was a doctor, a well-educated man, and a companion of Paul's on many of his journeys. And starting in chapter 2 of Acts, as Jesus has promised, the power comes on the disciples while they were together. It actually says it like this in Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You know, these tongues that are spoken of here are not some sort of heavenly language. They're, they're simply different languages of that which people understood. It, it was needed because here, here's the deal. All these people had gathered for the celebration of Pentecost, which was 50 days after Passover. And people from all over were, were there in this one place. People who spoke different languages gathered that day. God had established the perfect place for the good news to begin to spread. And so, through the Holy Spirit, he empowers a small group of believers who gathered together to share this good news. Now, some of the people there that day were, were astonished. They were taken aback. I mean, many actually thought the disciples were drunk at first, but suddenly then they began to realize something. No, 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 they're speaking real languages. They're speaking real words. They're speaking my, my language. And then it tells us that those there that day were cut to the heart. And they asked, what must we do? Saying, what is our next step? Acts 2 verse 38 records that answer. It's Peter, and he says this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And that day, 3,000 were added to their number. A small group of people together with the power of Christ established the first church and did it in a powerful way. You see, since the beginning of the church together has been its foundation. Having a community of faith with one another has been key being together is paramount. It's, it's the need for we and not me that has made the church grow. And it's seen Christ lifted high and magnified. And, and together made sure it didn't end there. No, no, listen, church, they continued together. It was their lives together through the power of Jesus that helped the good news of Jesus Christ work its way from one generation to the next. 
and eventually bring it to us today. Some almost 2,000 years later, we are still better than me. We, we were meant to be together. Truth is that this season has thrown many of us out of rhythm, though, hasn't it? It's, it's seen many of us throw routine to the window. So here's what we must do to get, to get back on track. In Acts chapter 2, it speaks of what routine and rhythm the early church devoted themselves to. It says it like this, saying, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. Did you catch what it said? The first thing, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, they didn't have what we now have as the New Testament in our modern-day Bibles. Instead, they had the teachings of men who had walked with Jesus himself. And they devoted themselves to those things. Since those teachings now have been bound for us in our Bible, we, we call those uh, 27 books the New Testament, um, and then you have Jesus' accepted Old Testament, we are now being called to devote ourselves to those same things. You know, reading your Bible is one of the most powerful ways that you can grow in your relationship with God. It's through his word, the Bible, that God reveals himself to us, that we come to know God personally. You see, the Bible grants us guidance and tells us and shares with us how to live for Christ. It provides us comfort when we're in times of difficulty, and it gives us answers to our question, and it comforts us in our sorrow. How can you start reading the Bible, you may say? Set a plan and work the plan. You know, there's a great app uh, you can find on your phone. Uh, it's put out by a, a group called YouVersion, um, the number one used Bible app out there. I encourage you to check that out. It can help you to set plans. You know, for me, I, I just recently started a, a journaling method called the HERE journaling. And the H stands for highlight. And that means highlight what sticks out to you and maybe even write out those scriptures that you highlight. The E stands for explain. What did the text mean for its original audience. A stands for apply. Uh, apply the text to your life. What's the meaning for you? How am I going to live this out? What do, what do I need to do? And then the R is our response. What will you do today with God's word? You know, reading God's word and journaling individually is a good thing. It's vital. It's important. But it's even better when it's done in community. I've been doing that here journaling that I just shared with you about I've been doing that with a group of men um, in my small group. And so I, I do my personal study, and then we get together as a group, and it just, just takes it to the next level. Look, we need to be in this together. The first church, though, as well, was devoted to the fellowship. The early church quickly began to experience persecution, and quickly the believers began to spread out among the ancient Middle East. But as that happened, believers began to establish churches. Letters like Colossians and Ephesians and Philippians and First and Second Corinthians were written to these gatherings of believers, to these churches. Now, there may have been a season for us to break from live gatherings, but now there's a season for us to reconnect. As a church leadership, we are taking the appropriate steps to bring as much safety to our gatherings as possible. Church, now is the time to get back together. 
We're going to have one more week where we celebrate through a large gathering, watching a pre-recorded service. But then on June the 14th, we will celebrate and gather together with goals to have full children's and youth ministry. I'm just telling you this. You don't want to miss it. Quite honestly, you can't afford to miss it. We have to set a high priority to be together. You know, as well, our discipleship ministry has developed a great plan for a summer season of small groups, which is, isn't our normal. We've, we just recognize we need to get together, and so our small groups are going to begin to get together, begin to deepen those relationships. If you're in a group, let me just encourage you to this. Commit to attending in the summer. If you're not in a group, you can sign up on a connection card today if you're with us live, or, or you can check out our Connect tab on our website. You know, the church as well, though, was devoted to the breaking of bread. Most likely, the early church was actually sharing in meals together. And while we won't feed you a full smorgasbord when you come in through our doors, we do partake every week in what we call the Lord's Supper or communion. Last week, we took communion together for the first time in many weeks, reminding ourselves that Christ's body and blood was given for our sins. We got to do that live and in person, I should say. Now, don't get me wrong. Taking a piece of donut and coffee at home as I sat in my PJs was all right. But that was not what Christ pictured when he instituted the Lord's Supper. Look, there's a reason why da Vinci had the supper at a big, large table in his picture. He didn't have a, a coffee and donut sitting next to him. Now, the meal was meant to remind us of our common unity that's found in Christ and of the great meal and banquet that we will all someday partake in when we are with Christ in heaven together. And finally, the church was devoted to prayer. Now, there will always be a place and purpose for times of quiet prayer and solitude with God. This in itself is a, a discipline and a rhythm that we all need personally. But there's something powerful about agreeing with others in prayer together, about lifting our concerns and petitions to God together. Ask the mother who was recently diagnosed with cancer, what the prayers of others with arms wrapped around her meant to her. Ask the mourning widow what those prayers of loved ones surrounding her meant to her. Ask the dying man what the prayers of other believers reminding him of God's truth and ushering him into eternity. Ask him what those prayers mean to him. Uh, to this day, I still remember the moment that the leaders at my home church where I grew up gathered around me and prayed for me as they commissioned me into ministry, to be a preacher and a pastor. Knowing that I had faithful other followers of Christ who believed in me, who were praying for me, meant the world to me. You see, these rhythms of reading God's word, of meeting together, of breaking bread and, and praying, they're powerful spiritual disciplines. And they're best experienced as the church, live and in person. They make us who we are. They remind us of God's mighty promises, and they set us on mission with a great purpose. That passage continues in verse 46 of Acts chapter 2, and it says this. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And listen to this, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Truth is, I can't really explain the gathering of God's people to you in mere words, that is. 
It's something to be experienced. We are truly in this together. We, the church, and the world needs us to be together. And when we are together, we are an unstoppable force of hope. The gospel is not finished yet. God is not done moving. There are more to be saved. There are more that need to hear the hope of Jesus Christ, of his grace and mercy. Now, we all have friends and families. We have aunts and uncles, moms and dads, brothers and sisters that have they've been stumbling through this season scared and without hope. Church, together we have the power to be the difference makers for Christ. And when we are together... God will encourage and empower and see to it that more and more are added to our number daily. So how will the days ahead be defined? What steps of faith is God calling you to take? Do you need to reset that rhythm and routine of meeting together? Do you need to devote yourself more fully to a certain discipline? Do you need to trust Christ today for the very first time and become a part of the church experiencing the benefits of together while being saved by the grace of God. Look, I believe we all have a step to take. We are in this together. What step will you take? The ball's in your court now.